Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Jackie to my jet. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. And our very own Bruce. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how oh, are you doing? Man, I couldn't be better if I'm Bruce. Yeah, you're Bruce, dude. Uh, you get beat up by Brad Pitt in that, <laughs> in that Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, still an entertaining scene. Yeah, so it is It is really funny. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, Bruce Lee wasn't a huge guy. So, like, a, a real big dude could could probably throw him around a little bit. The, uh, the light, I, I, that, that's called <laughs> that's called manslaughter. It's legal for anybody. <laughs> that, that exchange is really good. Uh, okay, so we got to start with the biggest news of the week. The most important news. The the biggest news. The, the biggest thing that happened this week. And it's right to you, Eric. Luke yes. Wilson Thank is you. back. I saw the signing today. And I said out loud when the house was quiet, ah, damn it. He's going to talk about it tonight. So here we are talking about it. And that's all I got to say. In honor of Luke Wilson, I didn't catch that news. Did uh Okay, so Luke Wilson, we cut Pierre Desir uh, to, to make room for him, which kind of sad, actually, because <laughs> I thought I thought Pierre Desir had a chance to like be a back end of the roster cornerback. And uh, we're, we're getting okay rid of we him. That's okay. We for one of those. We're getting rid of, we're getting rid of, we'll get to that in a sec. We're getting rid of a tight end that I think, um, okay. Do you think when, when Pete calls Luke Wilson, he just sighs into the phone, just <sighs> Luke, <laughs> and I can't super quit upbeat. you. I can't quit you. <laughs> no, I think he does it like, uh, when Al Bundy shows up at the door of the house before he opens it to go in, he does that like, <sighs> and the shoulders sag and then he opens the door. It's like that only picks up the phone. I think Pete in. Pete picks up the phone and then he hears a phone ringing and can he opens t- up his office and Luke Wilson is out there. He's like, I knew you'd call me. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about Al Bundy for a second, though? Like, what is wrong with his life? His wife is incredibly attractive. Like, what 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 is the his how is his life so bad? Uh, it's because know. he was the high school football star and then he got uh, he got stuck. washed. He peaked early. He peaked early. He got washed. He has two kids. He's a shoe salesman. It's. It's uh you know common common uh, male failures blaming everyone else for your own mistakes. There you go. On to the podcast. Okay. So uh yeah, Luke Wilson though. I I'm uh sure this is a signing. If we need tight end depth, he knows how to play the system, and he's a very easy cut at the end because we know exactly what he's what he can do and what he cannot do. Small and caps. so the yeah I'm not I'm not ecstatic about the signing like i would have much rather taken a flyer on like one of these like around 30 year old guys who are working their way out of the league like tyler eifert who actually had a really high peak as, a, yep. as opposed to giving uh, luke wilson another burn but you know what they like him around they like the attitude they like the the energy and practice and to be honest with you the way the team has looked in these preseason games maybe they need a little of that i don't know they the third stringers have looked a little lethargic out there in the preseason so far so maybe a little techno thursday will get them back on track uh John Reed trade. So the Seahawks traded a conditional seventh rounder. Uh, if you made me guess, the condition is if he makes <laughs> if he makes the final roster. If he makes the final roster, we have to give up a 2023 seventh rounder to the Houston Texans. So Kevin, uh, we traded for this guy John Reed. You scouted him before the uh, the draft started. I posted a couple of scouting reports in the Discord. What did you think of John Reed coming into the the NFL draft? So year? really quickly. Uh, Giving a 2023 seventh rounder is basically like saying, hey, Nathan, I'd like your sandwich. I'll trade you whatever happens to be under this couch cushion. Yes. 
correct. So you, you, you hope it's like three quarters, but really it's like two two pennies, and you're just like, dang. And, and an M M&M and M that you don't know how old it is, so you're not really willing to eat it unless you're Brett. Yes, exactly. And so I had John Reed as about a fourth rounder, like I had him kind of a early day three pick, and that's where he ended up going. So, and that was just last year. It was part of the 2020 draft. So from that perspective, it's a pretty good pickup. He's 5'7". He got pigeonholed into a nickel corner role because of his size and his lack of length. But he's one of those people that plays above his size. He's got a 36 and a half inch vertical jump, which is nice. Um, his change of direction skills are really good. He's a really fluid, quick mover. Um, he plays very physical on the outside in coverage, a la Trey Brown. There's a lot that I liked about him. He's really good in zone coverage. I felt like he could transition into a nickel role theoretically, but he's not a guy you want to play too close to the line of scrimmage because he's kind of like Jeremy Lane where he can knife in and make a play in the run game. But if you're asking him to like stack and shed a block, there's like a true 0% chance that's going to happen. Yeah. So I watched some, when we made the trade, I watched uh, some tech, some Texans plays that he was in on and some, I watched some of his college, the, you know, I went and did my classic YouTube search name year, all plays uh, college name works yeah. really good. Usually you find a video that has like, uh, like a whole bunch of plays <laughs> from one player. And so, uh, yeah, it worked pretty good. I got to watch him play in college. He looked like budget Trey Brown, uh, which is like not a diss. Cause I, I am the king of the Trey Brown hive. And so, uh, he looked like a worse version of the same the same kind of player Trey Brown is small, aggressive, uh, gets gets in there, uh, plays above his size, and and looks really good. And uh, the Seahawks have like likely identified this as a kind of player that can, after the DJ Reed, a kind of player that can be really successful in their system. So now they have two shots at that. Trey's uh, Pete said Trey's hurt, so that's they're obviously trying to replace uh, same for same here, another young. Uh, small corner that they can kind of develop in that spot until Trey's good to go. He said Trey has a sore knee, so I just like to put my condolences out to the entire Brown yeah. family on the passing of their child. Yeah, he's he's, he's probably going to be on the pup list, which is like little thing. when when he has a sore knee, he probably actually has a terrible sprain. And yeah, tore ACL, MCL, <laughs> meniscus. Let's be honest, we need to just not start the season with Trey Flowers starting at cornerback. I don't care how we get there. <laughs> But that's all we need to do. But anyway, the we the gen, sorry the uh, John Reed, the guy we traded for. I think he's a really solid prospect. Uh, I think he can displace Trey as the as the, like the number four cornerback on our roster behind Trey Flowers behind Witherspoon, Reed, and Brown. And so that that would uh, you know, I think that's a good spot to be in. That's a, he he's got a good chance to take that outside corner job and run with it. We're, people are saying we traded for him to be a nickel. We have nickel cornerback lockdown. Marquise Blair and Ugo Amadi are the nickel cornerbacks. We did not trade for this guy to play nickel. We pl- traded for this guy to see if the Texans missed and should have made him an outside corner. That's why we traded for him. Uh, DJ Reed part three with Trey Brown being part two. Yeah, this is really DJ Reed. Yeah, 3.0. Uh, although 1.0 is still the best. So next one, uh, Ben Burkirvan and John Ursua both tore their MCLs or ACLs. They're out for the whole season. Eric, which one are you, who are you going to miss more, Ursua or Burkirvan? Uh, Burkirvan, actually. Uh, Ursua, I didn't think he really had a chance at this roster before the preseason started. I feel like it was trending that direction. Burkirvan was a special teams guy, uh, a guy when he was drafted, I kind of had a little higher hopes for than maybe he deserved. Um, 
He was reality. a tackling machine in college, so I think he. Did, you, you. I mean, you watch the tape and you're like, oh, this guy gets a lot. Of, this guy's in every play, right? Yeah, and, and to so see how Cordy Barton has, has kind of you know grown. We were, I was kind of expecting that from Bergervin. So yeah, the yeah. problem is BBK's size was a bigger limiting factor than yes. I think people realized. It's hard to be a tackling machine when you're like barely safety size. And he's and he's yeah, he's not quite fast enough to be a real, a real safety. And Eric, you're right. Barton last week looked pretty good, right? Was we yeah. kind of doing some pass rushing and. Uh, kind of growing into that uh the role that kj was in last year that this year it seems like we're going to use Darrell taylor in that that second outside linebacker i think the big takeaway here is this is two young guys whose career it's it's uh it's very it's very difficult from this point forward at best yeah they could be a career ender for both of them right two young guys i only saw one young guy Oh, because you're thirty-one. For our other player, you know, when you get to that stage of your career where you're in the twilight, one of these injuries, it can be, it can really be the difference between keeping to a roster and not. When you're getting older and you're just hanging on to the back end of the NFL, his I mean, veteran leadership will be missed, though. Who do you think's older, Chris Carson or John Ursua? It's definitely John Ursua. <laughs> Who's older? John Ursua or Tyler Locker? You'll have been to in the, think about this. Chris Carson had to play in the has been in the NFL for for four years, and Lockett is. You're right. Lockett is barely older than Ursua. It's like ri- ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Time uh, to go to the announcing booth. Sorry, John. Uh, but you know what? I mean, I I think it's fun how much Seahawks Twitter took to Ursua and uh, kind of made him into a their their favorite guy. Even though I never really understood why they picked him over Freddie Swain. I am so, glad he had a good preseason game this game after having a bad one in the first one. So at least kind of go out on top of the yeah, preseason for sure. Uh, all right, and then uh, Kevin Geno Atkins visit, but he left without signing a contract. Do do you think that uh, Geno is a good fit here, and what uh, which guy would he put in the hot, on the hot seat? I think he immediately seat? comes in and puts Al Woods on the hot seat. Um, he provides a little bit more of a pass rushing upside, and overall, just a higher level of play than Al Woods. He would come in and be that like low risk uh, contract on a veteran DT. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think it, that room is so crowded. I think Monet, Kim DJ, Woods, and Ford, and Green, like they got a lot of guys they're going to play on the inside there, right? In the yeah, I love how end. deep that rotation is. And it's just like Geno Atkins, which is such a luxury to have. It's It sucks that the best player available that seems like we're trending to get, Geno Atkins, is – uh, doesn't play cornerback, you know, because that's the position it feels like we really need. Uh, I know uh, he's a life five, mover at his size, but yeah, that's that'd five, be a bit of a stretch. A $5 million kind of guy. All right, we have $12 million in cap room left, uh, so we're going to go around starting with Eric. What's uh, what's your number one wish for that $12 million in cap room, Eric? Like, what, what do you want the Seahawks to do with it that it's just kind of sitting around? I don't think it's available, but I would very much like, oh, this is tough. I want a cornerback. So you, you want to go get Sherman? You want to call, call up Richard Sherman and no, say, hey. No, Sherman is not, Sherman's not available. Eight, Let's be honest. $8 million with your name on it. No. I mean, um, he's available. I don't know. Like He is not available. You know what? There's no, there's no viable <laughs> cornerback out there unless it's via trade. Dwayne Brown, come on down. Yeah. I, that was the way I was leaning as well is like just use this money to, to – sew up Dwayne Brown and make him happy. It's easier if I lead with cornerback because there's no one out there, but I really need to just say this out loud. Guys, I'm worried sick about our secondary, about our defense, about any time Russell Wilson doesn't have the ball. Yeah, it's it's not 
Sorry. Yeah, it's just, just, just a little, just a little worried about it. Uh, it's not good. You're right. Uh, I, I don't know how to, how to feel about it. Like the defensive line looks really good to me. Like it, it looks underrated, but, but solid. The yeah. linebackers are excellent. Brooks and Brooks and Wagner is going to be a, a force. And it's cool because Brooks, you know, they just, they drafted another Bobby Wagner, like, and yes, that is absolutely worth a late first round pick. Like, holy smokes. Like, they, they are going to be a force. I just don't know. It's like, I don't know who's, yeah, who's left at cornerback that could actually really help an you build NFL with your front football seven, team. But like, get, you can go get like Gary and Conley, you know, and it's like, woof. That's yeah. Like, I, I wonder about, like, are we going to be the one who go off, goes after CJ Henderson if Jacksonville really is going to try and move on from him like i wonder if we're gonna like grab a guy who maybe loses out on the number two corner job on another team and has some upside left in him price i think the price is just too high for for henderson like they're not willing to come off like hey we want a second round pick for him and everyone's like cool (laughs) sure but like like, take a team like that signed a billion guys or somebody like you know there's going to be some dudes i think they get cut, yeah. Cut days could be interesting for the Seahawks for yeah, sure. Or fringe cut, and they're like, "Well, if we could get a fifth for this guy, then we'll get a fifth for this guy instead of cutting this other guy." And we're like, yes, we will give you a fifth for your probably number two corner. All right. So, uh, Kevin, what's your wish list? What's your twelve for twelve million dollars? What's your wish list? Oh, uh, I was really uh, salty when uh, Eric's pivoted because I was going to say Dwayne Brown. Everyone, every it's the easy pick. Like Eric, that is Eric the was, easiest thing. Like well, we, you could just you could just say Eric was right. I mean, that it is true. Eric, <laughs> Eric, Eric nailed it, and we had to just all follow suit. Like, we, yeah, um, Eric's the best. Okay, so but Nathan now, and Kevin, <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> so, I uh, I completely disagree with uh with with Eric. Uh, Eric made a really good point. That's I, I agree with Eric. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the right here we've got the Seahawks played a game last week. Uh, we watched it. I, oh man. So the thing is, here's the thing. I didn't watch it live. Did we though? Because because I was like busy. I had to cook dinner for the family and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to watch the, I'll watch the condensed game film later. It'll, it'll condense it. Maybe I'll even get to, I'll watch it twice, you know, because I can fit it two games into one hour. And uh, then I looked at the discord and everyone was so miserable. It was just like the way that people were talking (laughs) about the game. I was like, oh, do I even really want to watch this game? And then I was like, you know what? I have to watch it. I have a responsibility. Like I host this podcast. I need to watch it. And I was like, you know what? And I'll watch it twice. Like, cause I have the time to do it. I watched it once and I was like, I am not watching that again. What a slog, <laughs> dude. I was like, like, I was like, Oh, even the condensed version, it was like 20 something minutes. And I was like, this sucks. Like, what is this? Okay. First, let's start with this. Uh, once again, uh, basically no starters played. Uh, Damian Lewis played 10 snaps. That's it. Everyone else that played on offense was a backup. Okay. So we're going to start with offense. Uh, The starting offensive line was Stone Forsyth, Damian Lewis, Kyle Fuller, Phil Haynes, Jake Curran. I actually thought they did fine blocking for pass protection. And, but the quarterback play was so atrocious. Uh, It was it was really hard to yeah. watch this game. Magoo was. I have a well, really good point to make I mean, here. I mean, Magoo doesn't have a job anymore, so I think like that just explains that. Dom- so, Magoo Dominic got would- picked off by Justin Simmons, which means Magoo and Simmons were on the field at the same time, which means we were boned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. That's fair. Like, fair. 
Justin Simmons is playing in a, in their game. Like the other teams are putting out way better players than we are, and I think it's a it's a legitimate complaint how poorly we're 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 playing because yes. the team looks woefully underprepared. Like they just like this offense does not look like it understands how it's supposed to be running. Guys don't like they the run game. Oh my goodness, the run blocking is just horrible, and I. And I'm just not sure if like they haven't had a chance to gel or the fact that it's all backups. But here's the problem is these guys, the, the starters are still playing without uh, they're playing without the starters in practice too. shells, not shells playing a little and uh, Brown is not practicing at all. Like the, this, this is the line that they practice with, you know, it's like, and this is how they play. <laughs> and, and like, it's are they getting squashed so bad in the first quarter by the other team starters that they're just too demoralized to be able to stand up against the other team's second stringers? Is that what's happening here or what? Because you figure by like the third quarter when they have like, you know, they're down the roster guys in, we should be kind of picking it up. And it's like, nah, no, nah, it's, it's, it's still, it's still pretty ugly. Yes. Dude, when they showed when they showed Dominic Wood Anderson on the sideline, oh. and he just had like the the eight billion yard stare, and I was like, "Woof!" Like that, that dude likes turtles. I can't, and I can't believe they showed this in the condensed game film. But that's how. <laughs> I mean, it was it was the story of the game. I think kind of was like like the, this. Is, we got to watch people lose their jobs in real time. Like yeah, that, he got cut before the day that you normally cut people, just because Pete was like. Well, I'm definitely cutting this guy. As a matter of fact, I should cut him now so I don't think that I already did cut him and forget to cut him later. <laughs> Poor Wood Anderson. Yeah, that's a I guy who knew he was going out. I don't really have a ton positive to say about the offense. Ooh, um, I do. Uh, I think, like, for running, Josh Johnson looked okay. Uh, 3.11 yards after contact per attempt. Uh, I think for receiving... Uh, you really gotta get. You really gotta um, dap up uh, Cody Thompson a little bit. But I don't know that 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 he's not gonna. Cody Thompson's on the fringe and he's playing his way forward. K. Johnson, like I said last week, he's a slot project if we want one. That's about it. I don't. You know, DJ Dallas is cool. I like him a lot. Kevin, go ahead. I've got like a good bit to say. So Eric, if you have a couple small notes, if you want to go first, uh, just on the offense. Yep. You know, yeah. you know what? I don't really have much on the offense. Uh, I have, I have two players I want to talk about, and I Get can em. fit those in later. They're not, Do they're it. not offense. They're just in general. Oh, just oh, they're okay. both, they're both defense. So oh, okay. they'd be on defense uh, well, if they're not. Well, offense. Or is one of them the third phase? Oh, do you have a th- you have, you have a third phase player? I'll just, I'll just, I'll say a third phase slash offense. Okay. DJ Dallas for mayor. If anything yeah. we've learned in this preseason, DJ Dallas is going to make this roster, or it's a crime, and. I think he is a lock for the number three running back, uh, which gives us Chris Carson, DJ Dallas, and flip a coin. Because I don't know if Rashad Penny is definitely making this roster. I assume he is, but I still say flip a coin. I feel like you couldn't get any read on what Penny was doing because he just he wasn't getting any help. Travis Homer, we'll see around. Yeah, I Homer. <laughs> is on the pup. And I mean, I think they just keep him there to start the season. And it's really like Johnson versus Collins for the last roster spot. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, they Very battled likely. it out that last week. And, uh, I don't really know if anyone came out ahead, but I thought Johnson played a little better than Collins, but he also played against the easier competition. Collins, Collins started. And so Collins is out there with Justin, <laughs> Justin Simmons. All right. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? 
I do appreciate that Collins, um, Collins has gotten better as a pass catcher. Like that's been noticeable in the preseason and towards the end of last season when yeah, he came that, back because he offered nothing in the past game in his first round with uh, Seattle, really. Yeah, in the in the practice game, he had the he had that nice swing pass, and then in this in this game, he had two two catches that he made pretty pretty solid catches. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, the only thing is, I feel like he just doesn't have good run vision. Like he's that guy who runs into the back of his blockers way too often. If he could figure out how, like, if he could just pick lanes a little better and not run into the back of his blockers, I feel like he would be a legit like rotational, like number two, maybe even number one running back in the NFL. But he just he just doesn't really have the vision in the open field. Um, as far as the offense goes, a couple of things I found interesting. Uh, when they ran hurry up concepts, those were when the offense was at its best. Um, one of them was ruined by Magoo being terrible at throwing the football. And the other one resulted in the field goal, which are the only points in the entire game for the Seahawks. But I thought that the hurry up concept was good. Um, the quick passing game, especially the passing game utilizing like the slot or the interior receivers, I can see how like it the way they would spread them out and they would do some of like the slant looks and motions and things like that with the slot receivers or like if they went four wide and on the two inside receivers, I can also see how a tight end could be used that way. I feel like I'm starting to see some of the pieces of the offense and the pieces I'm seeing are pieces that I've wanted to see. Uh, Again, quick passing game, uh, throwing the ball to receivers in ways that gets them open to run for yardage and running a hurry up attack that kind of forces the defense on its heels. Uh, those are all three things that we definitely want in an offense. It's just really hard to evaluate it when it's like Sean Mannion, who can only throw it three yards downfield at a time, or Alex Magoo, who shouldn't be on an NFL field. So if we get to see Russ in the third preseason game, even for a little bit, I'm I'm going to be looking really hard at the offensive concepts. If we get to see even Geno, who at least knows what he's doing on an NFL field, even if it doesn't always look great. I think uh, I, I, I think Mannion is that. Mannion is not that bad. Uh, no, he's just che- he's just uh, like check check down supreme. Yeah, he all. just doesn't he doesn't have any confidence or something. I don't know, but he's not like bad at football. He just yeah he he looks like Alex Smith. Yes, I think he's light. safe because he wants to do everything he can to make the roster. Well, another thing too is if he comes into a game. Like the plan for him is going to be like, don't turn the ball over. Hopefully we can squeeze out, you know, five, three point wins. Also right? throw it to DK on three yard slants like 96 times. Like, right. Just do that. Just let him try to run people over. Like yes. <laughs> just get the ball in their hands and let them make plays. Cause we See have that good guy. Receivers. That guy's name is Tyler. He's very quick. Throw it to Tyler. <laughs> yeah, throw it to D throw it to Tyler, throw it to DK. Like those are the, those are your guys. Like, and the thing is, those guys aren't on the field. Like, that's another thing is like DK, Tyler, Dwayne Eskridge. Like, th- those are our starting wide receivers. Those guys aren't playing. Oh, wait, S- Swain and Hart. They aren't playing either. Those are yeah. our second string guys. Like, we, we're 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 really seeing like uh, the Seahawks are trying to figure out who they're giving a real look at who is going to be the end of the roster guys and sprinkling a few young guys in there just to get them some time. But they're they're not giving uh, the starters they're not giving them any burn on offense or or defense really and no established veteran defensive player is, is running a high snap count either except Al Woods and I think that's cuz 
it's what Kevin kind of alludes to is Alwoods is competing for a roster spot a little yep. bit. It, he, I think he's playing plenty good enough to make it because he's just, I think he, he is like a guy you built in a lab to stop the run. <laughs> like, like, like that's who Al Woods is. And so I think he's Eric's got a really favorite dishwasher with arms. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he really is. Remember, he's, a with dishwasher. Arms. He's, okay. he's a little better. Longtime listeners will know since the Eric, Nathan and Brett days, what have I been saying, Eric? I love I, the Seahawks need to just sign some big fat guys, right? Yes. Like, I've been saying, I a said it for a long time. They we had a I'm tub a little, of Reuben. I'm a little uh, nicer. I always say a washing machine, like a washer and a dryer. And you're, you just are always like, yeah, yeah, fat guys. Get it? What? That's what. Look, that's what it is. A three hundred thirty pound Scott Steiner. A three hundred thirty pound guy. That's that's a fat. Some that's a fat fleet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but and and I'm I'm for it. That's cool. Like uh, I my one of my favorite uh, meme pictures ever is that picture of the the defensive tackle from New England, the guy who is who could like throw eighty yards. Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork doing the yeah. jump in, like because because he can dunk a basketball also. Like that's the coolest Dude, thing ever. Th- watching th- watching Vince Wilfork nail three pointers in overalls is one of the favorite yeah. one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. A three hundred twenty pound dude who can dunk a basketball and like rain threes. Like that's the coolest thing I can think of. So like yeah, I love I love it when we have. I want us to have more big fat guys. And Al, Al Woods fits the bill. I like Al Woods, and like I said, he's there to stop the run, and he's real good at it. So. Unless he starts sucking at stopping the run, he'll probably or stick around. Or gets PEDs again. Yeah, that that too. Okay, so let's go to defense. Oh, so real quick, I just want to oh, say, uh, so the thing is, I'm kind of glad Magoo got cut because I think Gino or Mannion, or hopefully Russ, can at least read an offense well enough that you can start evaluating what's happening. Because I think that's the, that's the really hard thing is Magoo can't go through his progressions fast enough for what the base offense is. That was the Magoo tryout, and uh, he failed. He, now he's he gone. Failed. He failed. Magone. Okay, Hey-o. now we can go defense. Here. We're good. Okay. Uh, how about we bridge the gap by talking about uh, how how good Nick Ballore is? That's it, because he's both offense and defense. I, I'm and not gonna lie. Teams, all three phases. If you're gonna have a fullback, he should be able to play some on defense, and he should be a special team star. And Got there. So Nick Ballore does all of those things, and he's good at. He's at least solid at all of those things. And that's the thing is, I've always said, I don't mind if we do plays that have fullbacks in them. I just don't want to have a player on the roster who is only a fullback. That is a waste of a roster spot. You might as well throw that roster spot in the garbage. That guy needs to be either really good at special teams or he needs to provide. Remember when we had the guy who played defensive line some that was fullback? That's cool. I like that. Will Tukuafu. Yeah, Will Tukuafu. That's a cool thing to do. That's why I want Puna Ford to play fullback. That's cool. Uh, Nick Ballore now showing up on defense a little bit and playing well and also is still a special team stud and apparently is the funniest guy in the locker room. I'm all in. I love Nick Ballore. Also, he's a pro bowler because he was the first name on the list. <laughs> so we can definitely – that's right. We can definitely argue that uh, Nick Ballore allows you to not re-sign Luke Wilson because he's funny enough to make up for not having Disco. Yet and yet or whatever, who cares? Same thing. <laughs> I mean, Plus to be music, honest, I don't give a crap. Right. They and here's the funny thing is, I went to a Thursday practice before we resigned Luke Wilson, and they were playing techno. So it's not like techno Thursdays died without Luke Wilson there. Okay, um, it's just uh, they, maybe they won't play those stupid. Maybe they'll start playing those stupid pretend flutes again. So okay, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, let's Move get into in. it. Uh, we got uh, the starters. Let's go through some of the starters who played on defense. Uh, Rasheem Green. I thought he was okay. 
Um, he, yeah, three three run stops. Nice. Three run stops, which is nice. Um, he was playing the uh, the kind of the big end role in the bare fronts that they were doing. Uh, then they had Adams and Woods in, in the middle. No Puna still, but uh, Adams and Woods looked fine. Like I said, Woods stops the run. Like he does, he does his job. And then uh, you had Collier and Taylor. So that they started out in a bare front, a five five defensive lineman. Uh, Taylor kind of disappeared. Taylor played 14 snaps, uh, was pretty nondescript for most of them, uh, dropped into coverage only once. So they they were playing like kind of a straight. They actually dropped green into coverage more times than Taylor. But Taylor gave up an 11 yard pass when he dropped into coverage and green gave up uh, a one pass on. The I want to say he missed a tackle on that 11 yard pass, if I'm remembering correctly. He's not credited yes. with a missed tackle, but it was a missed tackle. And then uh, so then Brooks and Barton played linebacker. And I thought both like Eric said, Barton kind of making the leap, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, looks, looks solid. Like a, how it sounds how it looks, looks like a looks like a solid backup linebacker, like a guy we want to have around. And the thing is, Denver has a quarterback competition going on, so they played good quarterbacks. <laughs> they did, they weren't messing around, and they're starting receivers, man. They they weren't messing around with this like, oh, let's play Magoo, <laughs> Magoo with Cody Thompson and Aaron Fuller and see what we have. Denver was like, hey, you know who we're gonna, you know, who we're gonna throw out here. Let's get let's get Teddy Bridgewater, legitimate NFL quarterback, out here with uh, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. It's like, oh, yeah. There's a, there's a talent differential going on here in terms of who they're putting out there. One hundred percent. These guys are playing against the good, the good players, and so the starters. And then Flowers and Witherspoon started at corner, and I thought um, nothing. I did not I have no strong feelings about the cornerback play yet. It doesn't look great. I will say Flowers still cannot get his head around, and he never will, and it will always bother me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure what the plan is there. And then Amadi and Neil started out at safety. Amadi played most of the slot corner snaps in this game. I think seven, he had 17 snaps in the slot. We used a slot player, uh, a player to cover in the slot. 30 of 61 snaps, which to me is not high enough. Uh, still too much base defense. I don't know if they're like trying to hide something or they just want to save the, the slot corner backing for when Blair is ready to go or whatever, but I find that pretty frustrating. Um, Trey Brown it's, looked good. It's hard to say that everything's going to work perfectly when the season starts. It really makes you wonder. We're not coaches. We don't know what we're doing, but I don't know. It, it, I is, don't know. it is something to think about for yeah, sure. I mean, like, last season we had zero preseason snaps and the offense came out, looked pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried as long as everyone gets like a nice, good, solid, you know, week or two of practice in before the, before the season starts. If Dwayne is still holding out, it, I'll start to get worried, right? Like if he's still holding out with a couple, couple with a, maybe yes, with, I agree. That's concerning with one with one week to go. Uh, all right. Uh, Eric, you said you had a defensive player you really wanted to to mention. Oh, I just want to talk a little Rasheem Green. Uh, Rasheem Green looks like uh, a guy who still wants to make this roster. I don't feel like <laughs> not just him, but Taylor. Any Anytime they, they drop a, a D lineman into coverage, I'm like, one, what are you doing? Two, it's not fair. Just stop it. But Rasheem Green, I think that and, – and we'll see. It's it, part of this five-man front experiment, though, right? Like, you, yes. if you play a five-man bare front, you're going to have to drop one of these guys back into coverage. And I think they're kind of seeing, like, maybe this isn't the best idea we've ever had. Yeah, unless or, it's going to be the same guy every time. Like, maybe this is, you know, why you put Jamal Adams up on the line a lot. And then, you know, when he does it, it throws people off. But otherwise, it's like, oh, cool. Look for the look for the washing machine that I can, you know, 
Yeah, targets. if they're gonna well, if they're gonna put keep... Jamal Adams at Leo, then yes, this will work real good. Yes. Yeah, that would be that would be gross. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, and that's, that's still still a thing we can do. Well, because to yeah. back up what uh, Nathan was saying earlier and what you alluded to, Eric, Jordan Brooks looked legit fast. I know he got yeah. beaten for a couple receptions, and I know one of the receptions was pretty good, but he looked he was playing quick out there. He looked like he was an athlete reacting where like clearly he got rid of a lot of that rookie reps. Like he looked ready to play. I'm I'm very, I'm very excited about Jordan Brooks, but Uh, so having him and Adams and Bobby in the middle there, like that's going to be deadly. Do you think Rasheem green has taken the, uh, the inside track in the fringe kind of big end battle? Yep. Uh, I think it's, I think it's likely. I want to say something about Rasheem green though. Every year in, in preseason, there's a guy who makes the roster that you're like, oh, shouldn't have made the roster. He just had a really great preseason. Is Rasheem Green that guy? Ooh. Because yeah, he's could... he's always kind of like his his rookie year, you're like, oh, wow, this guy's going to grow into something good. And then he he just kind of flubbed. And now he's coming back, and it just something I want to circle right Eric, now. Green, Eric? Lots, Green has lots of – you're right, though. Green has lots of flashes, but has never been able to string together like – a bunch of games. The good thing about Rasheem Green is he's only 24. That's what I was about to say. Eric, uh, the, Rasheem Green was incredibly young when he came out. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, that's why I have stood on the table for this dude forever and still will do so because I he's a really talented dude. He's still extremely young. He's younger than multiple players that were drafted this season. Like... <laughs> Yeah, he's younger. He's two years younger than LJ Collier. LJ Collier was uh, nondescript in this game. Uh, he did have a hurry that I thought was pretty good, but uh, I, thought, I don't. Uh, Alden Robinson didn't play very well. Uh, he got a couple Alden, late pressures, but like mm. Alton Robinson, I felt like they played him a million snaps, but yeah, he was kind of overwhelmed by the by what they were doing. The whole thing is that it's tough because this defense, like I said, this defense is missing a lot of pieces, and they're all important pieces. No Quandre, no Jamal, no Bobby, no, like, hey, if you took the 10 best players off any NFL team, they would suck. And we took the best, like, 30 players off this team. And and so I just, it's really hard to, like, evaluate and say, like, oh, you know, hey, Alton Robinson. But so Alton Robinson is going to be a lot better when he gets to play on the opposite side of a line from Carlos Dunlap and right next to Puna Ford. That's yeah, a, do, do we really need a lot of data to tell us that this defense doesn't work great with Asari Crosswell playing 37 snaps? Dude, I'm, I'm not a big Josh Moon stan, and uh, he, he played the most out of everyone. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to see what you got. Got to see what you got. You got You got They were they were evaluating players. And I think Pete's mad because they look bad. You know, they look bad. They got killed twice in a row. Right. And I, don't I feel sorry any, for the Chargers. And I don't think any coach wants to that's not what they want to see right that level of effort and and play level is probably not what they want to see but you know yeah you get beat up 30 to 3 by you know teddy teddy bridgewater and drew lock played they threw 25 passes in this game like those are two starter quality nfl quarterbacks uh they threw out royce freeman and javante williams those are nfl starter quality running backs uh we did not play any one of that counter except for maybe if you consider Penny, but Penny played like trash because he's playing behind a bad offensive line. What's like, that's the only offensive player of the same caliber that we 
threw out there in terms of draft value or anything like that, even though I think a lot of us would agree Penny's on the hot seat right now. Like he he needs to start performing better or he's Dallas chased him down. Yeah. Way to go, DJ Dallas, uh, for yeah. chasing him down for the number two running back spot. Yeah, it's it's he's he's gonna he's gonna get buried on this depth chart and maybe find his way out of the NFL after this year. Like that's that's like where he's heading if he can't step it up a little bit. But yeah, I just I just I, like I would say, don't draw too many conclusions from this game. Like especially not the score, thirty to three. Like it doesn't matter, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. And also like the biggest thing is that like. Like, look at the practice. Like, Akella Witherspoon had a pick today in practice, and and uh, you know that's that's the kind of thing that you wanna you wanna that that's as important as anything that happened in this Broncos game because you know he's picking off, he's getting a pick in a in a practice or Tyler, Tyler Lockett burning Demarius Randall on a double move. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you you want to read. Or and, like Bobby and the defense it. talking about how hard it is to cover the hurry up and how like in uh, in scrimmages the offense is wearing the defense out with the way that they're playing. It's like, I could see that being the case if that's what your hurry up looks like, but you're running it with Russell Wilson and Chris Carson and a real NFL offensive line and DK and Tyler (laughs) and not running it with Alex Magoo and, you know, John or Sua and Cade Johnson. Okay. So we're going to go over, I think the two positions really quick. Anything else, the final notes before we go to the, then what we're going to look for in the next game. Good to go. Uh, all right. So two position battles really have caught my eye in the uh, final preseason game, and that's the wide receivers and the uh, defensive linemen. So, uh, Eric, I'll start with you with the wide receivers. Okay. So we've got some relative locks, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Eskridge, and Freddie Swain. All seem like they have locked in their roles on the, uh, on the Seahawks here. So now we probably have, I would say, five guys fighting for two spots. All right. I'm going to read the names and you're just going to tell me which two. We got Cody Thompson, Penny Hart, Aaron Fuller, Connor Wedgington, and Kay Johnson. Like those are five guys fighting for for two spots probably. What uh what do you what do you think? Who do you think is going to make that final? Oh man, this spots? is such a and awesome. Love, they're going to give some of those guys a chance to play with Russ probably next week. You'd like this to, week. you'd and, imagine, right? And Snaps so, are going to say a lot. Yeah, so it'll, you'll you'll see and if those guys fail with Russ, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> their Seahawks career is over. So, so you know, Russ a, look lot, him in the eye. A lot of, uh, there's a lot on the line right here for those. But people. you're uninvited to Bible study. <laughs> I Jeez. feel my my immediate just grab on this is Penny Hart and Aaron. Penny Hart seems like he has really taken kind of control of that backup outside wide receiver role, right? Yes, oh, but uh, we still have preseason to go, and drops could be. They could just hit you at any time, so no one's a lock yet. Uh, and then Aaron Fuller, I think. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. Maybe. Um, maybe Cody Thompson has that. Is that, but... is that a sent? Is that a little bit of a sentimental pick, like with the UW guy? Are you just? Are... <laughs> no, if you look at what we do, uh, it's it's almost a lock that that's kind of what we do. We grab the local guy. Uh, you know, I don't really care about the local guys so much. Okay, but... so then. Uh, Kevin, who do you who do you think wide receiver? Uh, so I do uh, agree. I think side. Penny Hart has emerged as the slot receiver guy, especially with Ursua going down. I just don't think anybody else has really shown that they can hold that spot down. And uh, with D. Eskridge there, Penny Hart gives you a guy who's been in the offense for a little while. For the outside receiver, the last outside receiver backup spot, I agree with Eric that it's down to probably Cody Thompson or Aaron Fuller. Cody Thompson getting fewer snaps kind of makes me think it might be him. I also think he probably has a little bit more of the desirable like size package, 
but I'm not counting out Aaron Fuller just because he hung around on the practice squad for quite a while. He is versatile playing inside and outside, and he does offer special teams upside. I do think it's the two of them, though. Therese Roberson just hasn't really done a whole lot. Connor Weddington still looks really raw. Kate Johnson is a project slot guy. And Travis Toivonen is uh, like just doesn't really have the hands or the separation ability. I'm going to go with Wedgington just because I do think that the team values special teams and he has a chance. And then I agree. Penny Hart's the other guy. Okay. Uh, defensive line. Okay. Uh, we got Hyder, Collier, Dunlap, Ford, Green, Monet, Woods, Adams, Kimdiche, Hewitt, Taylor, Robinson, Mayoa, Chingham. Okay. So honestly, they can't keep more than about 11 of these guys, right? So let's go through like locks. Dunlap, lock. Lock him in. Hyder, lock. Ford, lock. Woods, lock. Taylor, lock him in. He's in. Uh, Mayowa seems like a lock. Alton Robinson, lock. Uh, so then we've got, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So now we've got Collier, Green, Monet, Kim DJ. That's 11 right there. Okay. So th- there you go. Okay, never mind. We don't need to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> we're, and we're done. So yeah, because I, I don't think that, anyone else really is challenging for those those spots those guys seem like they've they've they're getting the longest look in an odd way bbk getting injured uh freed up an extra d line spot through kind of like the leo path of counting darrell taylor as a linebacker in their heads and, and maybe maybe, maybe Aldrin robinson and rasheem green too like they're they're definitely playing with the idea of these guys dropping into coverage some right uh, and so you end up being able to keep kind of an extra edge guy in the, in the regular season, you think that's Mayoa that, that does a lot of dropping back into coverage? Him and Taylor. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably right. Uh, then uh, if they sign Atkins, who's the guy on the chopping block? Eric, what do you think? Oh, jeez. You think Woods? Eh. Woods are green. It's got to be a DT, right? So I would go, yeah, I'd go Mo- Monet or Woods. Uh, you know what? They'll, they'll take it out of the receiver's. <laughs> they'll cut it. They only keep five wide receivers. Yeah, right, Luke Wilson. See you later. Now we'll build the fifty-three man roster next week, so we'll uh, we'll see what, what what we got there. And then um, that's it. That's basically it. Those are, I think, the the positions with the most intrigue in terms of uh, what's going on on the team. Like, I guess if we don't sign Atkins, the defensive line's pretty set, especially now that Alton Smith kind of flamed out and uh, found his way off the roster. So. That's uh, that's that. Anything else you guys looking for this week on the uh, in the pre- final preseason game against the we're playing the Clippers, right? Yeah. Yes. And I want to see, aside from the position battles mentioned here and the possibility of seeing the starters run the offense for even a couple of drives, I want to see somebody show up and take over the cornerback spot opposite DJ Reed. I want somebody not named Trey Flowers to emerge at that position. Hmm. Okay. Eric, what are you looking for? That's fair. Uh, I want to. I want to see a lock on the defense. I want to see Rasheen Green come out and earn his spot. I want to see Daryl Taylor come out and show us something. I don't need to see anything from starters. I need to see fringe guys, guys that we're expecting things from, to come out and show us something against starters. All right. Um... That's it. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. One way to do so is head over to iTunes and give us a review, like Apuna Matata and Adam Bomb, who gave us five star <laughs> reviews recently. And uh, yes. yeah, that's thank you guys for doing that. And uh, also, if you uh, want to give us money, you can head over to patreon.com/slash Seahawks Nest. Only twelves. 
punthub.com or punthub.us. And for as little as $1.24 a month, get access to our Patreon podcast. Uh, this week we did a fantasy football mock draft. It's pretty fun, fast-paced. Uh, thanks to those people who are already supporting Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Floctimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. All right. So a uh, movie this week, uh, we watched a uh, classic in my opinion. It is the movie that many people, including Quentin Tarantino himself say inspired much of what happened in Kill Bill. It's 1973's Toshia Fujita directed classic Lady Snowblood. So Eric, you uh, you watched this uh, most recently and then got us to talking about it. So uh, again, and I think I've seen this movie six times, five or six times. So I I I'm, I love this movie, obviously. So what what got you to watch it? And then uh, what what did you what was your what was your first impression? Since you're the uh, freshest. To what it? what got me to watch it was my friends on this podcast talking about it a few times. Uh, it's also having HBO Max and it being there. It's like, oh, hey, this is the movie that I keep hearing about. Uh, I'm not going to just buy these movies. Every time I buy a movie, oh, you should watch this movie. I'll just buy it. It's cheap. I'm always super disappointed. So uh, I just waited till I could see it for free. And the thing that initially grabbed me that I kept thinking about is how this is filmed. And I don't mean the director, you know, having a shot so we can go into that what i thought was cool is that this was filmed on what looks to be in most scenes some scenes a home video camera yeah the, especially the opening scene so yeah some if, gorilla filming here yeah. yes and you have people out there like oh man you know i just i gotta save money and get a crew and, and rent some camera equipment yeah uh lady snowblood just grabbed the the camera popped in the vcr tape and went to work and, and that I mean, is so and if, amazing and it's cool because it, it shows if you frame up the shots real good and you use color really well which is the two things that this movie does yeah. perfectly you doesn't matter if you're if you don't have a hd camera right like it, you 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 can get away with it because it doesn't <clears> matter you, you the color the use of color in this movie is uh, exquisite and uh really the way is. they frame up the shots is so good and you're right like it does look it's a little grainy and it's a little but I want to go back to something you said before. You said you said this appeared on HBO Max. So are you telling me you don't have Criterion Channel, Eric? No. <laughs> are you judging people uh, with Criterion Channel because I'm about to be offended? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean Criterion Channel is a cool, uh, like cool under under the radar streaming service. But I just wanted to 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 to, to, to make that joke. Um, but I'm about to say I'm about to get salty up in here. It's, 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 some people like Criterion. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a so there's that what did you think of like the uh the, the overall themes of the of the movie uh the the like the the re- revenge uh the, the the theme of like anger oh i thought balance. i thought that was really great you said that you know quentin tarantino says this is where he grabbed you know some ideas for kill bill if anything it kind of reaffirmed that quentin tarantino has like He's got what nine films in his in his uh, resume, and I want to say three of those are some real nice, more or less original pieces of work, and the rest are just borrowings upon borrowings, and they're fine. But yeah, this was uh, oh oh wow, this is 
that's like the exact same shot in Kill Bill. And and good for Quentin for kind of same, bringing it same back. Same outfit, right? Same that yes. outfit, the outfit where she wears when you're like you're like wait, that's what Oren Ishii wears the, in the in final battle. Bill. The final battle is it's not a direct rip from Lady Snowblood, but it's pretty close. We'll call it heavily inspired. So, so heavily one thing inspired. for me, uh, so I saw this movie before I saw Kill Bill, and and the music. They do a musical homage. The Oranishi theme is a musical homage to Lady Snowblood, and it's like, yeah. Uh, and it, and it. The thing is, is when I saw Kill Bill, I knew, recognized the music, but I couldn't remember where from because I hadn't seen the movie Lady Snowblood in a while. And then I, I was like, I have to figure this out. So then I like did research, and I was like, oh yeah. And then I got, to, and then I got to, and I rewatched it. I think it was at that point. <laughs> it was the second time I'd watched it. Nathan, uh, that's but, the same thing. I had the exact same feeling, but it was with the Green Hornet soundtrack. <laughs> and Nathan, I think you would agree. Uh, Green Hornets. It was. <laughs> so I bad. forgot. I forgot uh, about that. I think you would really agree, though, that the in general the score in this is movie is an absolute banger. Yeah, it's it is, like yeah. it's got a really good score, and the sound in general is really well done. I feel like, uh, kind of to back what you guys were saying about the camera and film quality, what it lacks in like high end production in that way. You could just tell every single piece of this movie was really thought out. Like it's there's a lot of artistry in a lot of the shots and not like, you know, French auteur artistry, but just like, I mean, every scene tells a story. And this is a movie as you, you, you can say, like, there's really violent movies and this is a very violent movie. Uh but it's not violent. It, you can tell it's it's a it's, it's a, not Ricky it's a, O the story a, of Ricky. It's a it's a love thing. It's not like a it's not like a, a a joke or anything like weird. It's like this movie is like showing you like well you know this is it's a love letter to to violence I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. And another thing this too, is what happens saying, when you raise a child with only I mean, violence for their comfort. <laughs> yeah, and th- this um this movie there's parts of this movie where you're gonna be like that's a set. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so obviously a true. set and you just but the thing is is that because of the way it's filmed you just doesn't matter as much you know the movie draws you in other ways and i think that's totally okay that it's kind of a cheap set or they're just filming in front of like a black curtain you know what i mean and you're like you just get over it really fast because it just doesn't it doesn't matter it's so it's so well uh, there's well so much else to chew out. on and uh um i think the best scene for me is the last one where she, Lady Snowblood, uh, Yuki Kashima, she goes into the, the like it's like um, because there's a little bit of commentary here um, about how Japan kind of sold out its soul a little bit to Western influence, and so they she goes into this, uh, this this building with uh, there's like and there's like a mix, you know, and she's dressed in like the traditional like Japanese like dress right and there's all these people at the masquerade ball who are dressed kind of like western style and stuff and i and then and then of course the murdering begins and i just think like that um that scene i think from start to finish really like just just the masquerade balls thing just does it for me it's it's perfect uh i mean she's swinging on there she's swinging on a lamp between the balconies she cuts she's cutting people's throats uh that balcony wire work was dope too it was and uh yeah, she and it's cool too because they give you that bait and switch at the end, you know, where she uh she escapes but she collapses and you're like, oh man, she got her revenge, but like at what cost? But then she wakes up and you're like, oh yeah, Lady Snowblood too, song love song of vengeance. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh 
yeah, that's pretty. That that the second movie is not as good. It's it's a fine get, watch though. It's don't all right. get me wrong. Like La- Lady Snowblood, Love Song of Vengeance. It's solid. It's not like you shouldn't watch it, but it's it does just not know that you're getting into something that does not deliver on the same just, level. Does not compare it. If Lady you want to watch two movies, but you really just want to watch one and then do stuff and have the second one on in the background. Except it's subtitles, so... Watch, that's fine. You're not <laughs> watching it for the story. It's Lady Snowblood too. Uh, you're just going to watch the first one, and then the second one, you just do your stuff and glance over when the you pro- hear the action. The problem with the second one is they introduce too many characters that aren't Lady Snowblood. Like, yeah. the first one... This is a movie about Lady Snowblood and her journey, and she's she's been it's tight and focused. Yeah, she's been raised on revenge. She is the child of revenge. She is revenge incarnate. She has become revenge incarnate, and she is going to do some murdering. And and then Lady Snowblood too. It's like there's these secret police characters and these other fringe characters, and they all suck. They try to world build, and it doesn't. I don't care build. about any of them, and like it's so stupid too. Like the plot of the movie is just a dumb plot seed. Now, at the end of the day, it's still filmed really cool and Lady Snowblood rules. So, like, it's still like a three out of five, but it's just not as good as Lady Snowblood, the, the first one, the OG. It just doesn't it doesn't quite reach the the heights for me. Um, All right, Kevin, go, any uh, what their notes you got written down or Lady Snowblood thoughts? No, I think that kind of hit a lot of it for me. It's just uh, it it really is about for me, it was about maximizing what they were able to do well. It was about telling like a really specific uh, story. I felt like it did a great job of having a action heavy, like grabbing opening scene where you, you can't look away and then delivering on an amazing closing scene. And so even if there's parts in the middle where it kind of like lulls a little bit or gets exposition heavy or whatever, you don't care because that's not the part that you really remember because what you remember was like the fast open and the incredible close. And when Lady Snowblood's cutting people in half, let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's go. Cut cut them in half. Let's do it. Uh, all right, Eric, what you what you what was your final thoughts on the Lady Snowblood? Uh, great movie, really enjoyable, really fun. Uh, a side note, uh, just something I got to talk about uh, when she's in the uh, before the the final scene going to the balcony when there's like that that fake mirror, you know, and what's going on behind it, like that whole scene is very comical to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just watching it like that's the only part of this movie that isn't filmed very well. It's like he, I felt like they they tried to rewrite it there, um, and something didn't work very well. But um, yeah, just really enjoyable, really really great, really great movie. Yeah, if you like Quentin Tarantino. If you like Takashi Mike, if you like Science Sono, if you like those kind of directors, I went in order of how likely you were to know who I was talking about right there from, <laughs> from, from most to least. Uh, but if you like those kind of dire- directors and you want to see like something that definitely inspired all of them, like this is a movie that inspired those directors who came later, you know, and you watch 13 Assassins when you watch uh, Kill Bill, you know, when you when you watch these movies that came later and you, you think like, Hey, you know, where did love exposure? Where did suicide club? Where did those movies get their inspiration from that? This is it right here, right? This is the movie that kind of one or one of the movies that really brought those, brought those directors, those filmmakers 
uh, well, some joy kind of has that, like them. garage band feel, so to speak, to go back to like musical influences where where it's like, you know, this is the one where you get like the bootleg VHS where you're like, oh, oh, you like such and such like mainstream band. Let me let me pass you off this beat up cassette tape where you can hear someone that was really influential for them. And it's like it's except in this case, it's a beat up VHS of some amazing like sword play and limbs getting hacked off. I know, like this movie opens up, like they they give you exactly what you want right from the start, man. They open up, and then Lady Snowblood just like murks some people, and then she they ask her who she is, and what she say? She says she doesn't say I'm Lady Snowblood. She doesn't say anything. What she say? What she said? Do you guys remember? She says I am revenge, which is just such a cool thing to say. I'm revenge. (laughs) Like what a badass thing to say. Like what a cool what a cool thing to do. To, to, to like, to like, to like, straight up murder someone and be like, "Hey, you, you, like, you mess with people, you made them feel powerless." And he's like, "But who are you?" And you're like, "Revenge, you're dead." <laughs> like, like, I'm wow. a theoretical concept. What are you gonna do about that? <laughs> yeah, like, cool, so cool. Um, this movie's great. I gave it a four out of five. I could see going higher if they made like a HD version of this movie. I would probably rate it higher. Actually, I think that is what holds me back, Eric, from giving it like a like a full on four and a half or a five. Is really there's a little bit of exposition at the beginning that I think is hard. And then, and then like, yeah, it's just, it is a little bit, uh, I wish they had used better cameras or whatever, because I think it, it's not like a Vaseline rubbed over the camera. Like, like, uh, two, what was that two weeks ago? But, uh, it's, it's not conquesty. It's not conquest, but it, it's, it's a little bit, um, well, there's a couple it, times where kind of like the, the, the fact that you knew it was handheld because you're getting a little seasick. Yeah. It's, it's it's not perfect. It's not a perfect movie. It's not there, but it's great, and I would recommend it to anyone who uh, who wants to see some ultra violence. All right, uh, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks!